Welcome to episode 242 of the Outback Mind podcast. I really appreciate you joining in. We've got a really important uh, conversation uh, today with a beautiful lady by the name of Rahana Hayes. Um, Rahana is involved in a production called Marooned, which is a play around suicide. It's something which is not uh, commonly uh, discussed, uh, I suppose, suicide. It's something... Uh, that sort of, you know, uh, we've all been affected by, but um, it's not something which is commonly talked about. So uh, Rahan's play sort of gives evidence and highlights, um, you know, uh, suicide in general, particularly with uh, with males. Um, and the production also highlights those people that, uh, that do choose so, uh, that they regret the decision and want to come back to life. So we're going to talk a bit about that today, uh, talk a bit about Rahana's journey and also you know, ways we can actually uh, get around each other moving forward to uh, be more aware of our emotions so we don't find ourselves, you know, making a decision we we may not really want. You know, I think um, I can speak for many of us that I've lost friends to suicide and people that I know, and I reckon if they had another chance, they wouldn't have, have taken that action. It's just that moment in time which, um, which gets us trapped. So we'll explore that a bit more deeply today. We did um, release a document, documentary last Friday night, called Healing Men's Minds, which is all around, uh, I suppose, men's health, but also um, male suicide too. And uh, in this uh, in this documentary, there's uh, you know evidence of a guy that uh, that did take his life, but he was fortunate to come back. So his, his uh, story is very powerful and important, and uh, we want to be able to showcase that out more um, throughout um, uh, Australia, I guess, in general. So if you're interested in having a chat about a screening, please reach out. I have uh, Rahana here with me, and uh, we're going to go pretty deep pretty quickly. How are you, Rahana? Um, absolutely wonderful. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> in Queensland, from Melbourne, the cold of Melbourne, it's been yeah. You can't be unhappy about that. No. Yeah, yeah, so that's good. Awesome. Thanks for joining me. Now, um, just a little bit about Rahana. Rahana is uh, an, an actress of sorts, and has been around the art scene. Um, all her life, one thing I, I really love about people in the art scene is they're very creative, but it, it can be really challenging financially because it's not consistent. <laughs> Could you tell us a bit about, about that and, and the journey for an artist? Oh, yeah. as an artist, yeah. Well, unfortunately, I was kind of born into um, uh, acting family, I suppose, just in the blood, that's what I always say, because um, both my parents were perform actors first of all and then went into my dad went into various other things but um I think it was just something even though myself I never barely ever spoke as a child I was excruciatingly excruciatingly shy to the point where I would actually cry if people tried to talk to me <laughs> um but when I was about uh 16 17 I went I finished school in America and um, one school we had to go, I mean, it's just sort of going back a bit, but we had to, there was some, I had lived in New Zealand before that, and we had to go around this school with this other girl who'd also come over from New Zealand, and they wanted us to talk about New Zealand. I was like, oh my God, I can't talk in front of people. <laughs> but I just found that I did, and I found my voice. And from there, I sort of, I didn't immediately want to go into acting. I actually did dance for a long time. And then I um, went back to England to say I wanted to do acting and so I wanted to speak as well. So it's just, it's just been a drive of me. And what I find with it is if I'm not doing something creative, like during the lockdowns, for example, when it was very difficult, um, 
there's something missing or in different periods of my life this is a part a part of me which is not functioning and um yeah I've just got to do something mm. even if I'm doing a boring job like you say to keep alive but <laughs> yeah yeah so you got to be you're, you're quite an active busy person and um certainly um very creative person too oh, I guess um, that's something that's come from your mother, and I think you got five brothers and sisters too. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, they're all pretty similar with that. Um, um, different ways. Yeah, there's another actor, and there's um, yeah, my one of my sisters is very good at singing, and uh, she's creative and uh, like cooking. Yeah. Um, but one's an artist, brother's a photographer. So yeah, various degrees. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think. Um, mm, amazing. So we won't go too deep into the um, into the journey, but yeah. um, but certainly you've been, um, uh, I suppose, living in Melbourne for quite a while and been around the art scene there. Yeah. And and Michael has been a big part of your life. And Mark Michael's been involved in Cafe Lockdown, which is um, sort of creating awareness around a variety of different things. And, yeah. and it's um, an online platform. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been in Melbourne for twenty three years, I think. So I was back in England and. I came here on a holiday, I actually came to Byron Bay and I went back to England in the freezing and I just thought, no, I'm going back. I'm going to live in Australia. And um and and I knew perhaps a little bit of my creative life would be I was doing quite a bit in England, well, with my own with a different place which I'd set up and um a quite a physical theatre company I was working with quite a bit. And I just thought, no. I've got to come and be here. And, um, yeah, I met Michael when I moved to Melbourne because um, I thought I was going to do it. And I wanted to put on a, a one-person show. I'd always thought I'd want to do something, some physical theatre, blah, blah. Uh, but I didn't have the play, but I had a space. And I went to a publicity meeting to kind of, you know, see what I had to do for that. And thought, you know, obviously I'm going to work on the piece eventually. But, um, and I met him there, and he ended up writing this piece called Decoupage Skin, which is, um, was a beautiful uh, one-person, or monologue, really, um, about what's behind us, you know, that we can put on this decoupage mask. front. A mask. Yeah. yeah. But this particular woman, she was living, her fantasies were hidden, what she really wanted to do, all her past, and so she sort of talks about it all. But that was, that's a, that was a great play. Um, and yeah, we've been we had been doing lots of creative projects along the way, and in um, uh, yeah, some plays, but then not plays. And then we went back and we started this theatre company called The Wolves um, back in twenty probably twenty fifteen, I think it was. Started with a play called Magnolia Tree at La Mama, and um, that that one. Well, we had funding for a regional tour. I'm trying to think what year is what. Not last year, but the year before. Mm-hmm. Unless it was last year. Maybe it was last year. Yeah. No, it couldn't have been. <laughs> um, 2021, yeah, we did that um, tour. Um, and then, of course, we had to stop because of the lockdowns in Victoria being so extreme. And we ourselves decided that we were not prepared. I mean, we could have continued to what we could have carried on after a while, but we said made a statement saying we're not prepared to perform to segregated audiences, and that was it. We got basically had to stop. Um, and then, um, 
So Marooned, before that though, uh, the play Marooned had been, uh, it sort of, well, it came from a friend of ours called Guy May, who was an actor who, um, he'd worked on this silly thing we did called Grizzlements. We were doing these sort of little skit things. And um, Guy very sadly took his life. Um, it was awful. Actually, we found out when we are at my daughter's graduation, a text came through. And before that, he had been sort of reaching out and, uh, you know, been, he wasn't ignored or anything like that, but it was very sad that he got to the state that he did, obviously. Mm. Um, he was very confused guy I think but uh, anyway whatever he um he took his life and just very quickly after that Michael wrote Marooned um about these four people who have all attempted suicide and now they're trapped in a afterlife or uh, waiting room in the whatever they don't really know where they are in between life and death perhaps yeah yeah, yeah. it's um so they're stuck there and um, and they and all they're known as are numbers. They don't have an you know a name, uh, and that's sort of to rep, to connect uh, with the statistics. You know, we all we are is a number when we go. You know, this is how many people have taken their life. Blah blah blah. Um, and so we learn to recognise that there's more to them, obviously, and what their background is and where they've come from. Um, and at first, they don't really want to have much to do with each other. They um, but, you know, some have been there longer than others and have been perhaps supportive to other ones in the room. And then there's a new one that turns up. And he's sort of like the, the typical businessman who's just been working, working, you know, for the money, blah, 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 doing all the things, paying all the school fees, paying everything that he thinks he's supposed to be doing and just going through life um, like that. And, um, and through... The one thing that these people do, they don't really know how they can get out of here, but they've all, uh, at least three of them, talk about why they were there, what, what they did to get there and how they um, how they got to that point. And they do talk about what they did to take their life because that's, I guess, yes, it's shocking. And yes, it's not nice to hear. But it's reality, and mm. um, we have to, if we're going to deal with suicide, we have to talk in reality. Otherwise, we're still shunning away. We're always, well, yes, they took the life, but it's, we don't talk about it. Mm. And so they realise they come to a point, and it's really the last one that comes into the room that realises the only way they can, or they all realise they've changed their mind, apart from one of the characters. They say they made a mistake. They know they made a mistake. And they want to go back to their life and rectify it, I suppose, or live it differently. Which is the, uh, the basic one, two, three words, whatever it is, it's, it's talking. Yes. If they'd had that chance to actually go over there and, and think about it and talk about it or whatever, they might have been able to go through, uh, get past this idea that they want to take their lives. Mm -hmm. And that's how imperative talking and communication is. And not having the stigma and not having that kind of, well, you know, oh my God, that person's got problems. I better just look over here. Separation. Yeah, yeah don't yeah. Ex disclude, um, exclude them. If someone is struggling, don't be scared to actually even, you know, talk to them, find out, mm. because you might just 
actually help them save their life. Yeah. 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 I mean, it feels like suicide is so huge, and now I believe since the lockdowns and everything, there's even more. Um, you know, people have lost everything, yeah, obviously, financially. Yeah. They've lost direction. They've been stuck in rooms where they just have been going insane. And because they maybe have morals and they've not gone a certain way, they've also lost everything. But yes, yeah, so going back to Maroon, before um, so before COVID, COVID, COVID. we were uh, taking it. Uh, well, first of all, we put it on at the MTC. We were invited into the MTC, into the law, and we thought, well... That's a Melbourne theatre company? That's in there, yeah. yeah. And yeah. because... Look, that's where Marooned is. Come and see it. Uh, and we got the ABC, we got an interview on the ABC, and from the ABC interview, uh, a guy down in Frankston said, oh, God, would you come down here? We'd love to see it. And so we bought lights, we bought the, you know, things to put lights on, and we brought the play to, Mar- to Frankston. And that was amazing. It was such a good night. And everybody... Uh, was a very small amount to pay for it, I think, and they just stayed and they talked afterwards, and that's always been the thing with Maroon. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of going backwards and forwards, but originally it was a play for men only, mm-hmm. for, and when it started um, in this small theatre in uh, Paran, it was just the four four men, um, and pretty much a lot, most of the audience were men, and when the play finished, nobody got up. It was like it's finished <laughs> they were so mesmerized they were so take, mm. taken in by it that they um yeah it was an amazing response and that's when people just kept talking and talking and then we decided to change this the um so three men and one woman for the statistics uh and we did the mtc and and then from the mtc um we had a call from this woman, Kylie, who is a psychologist with the army, with the um, St Kilda Barracks. And she said that she wanted us to come there. So we did two shows at the barracks. They blacked off the in- this huge, massive hall. They blacked the whole thing out on the roof and everything for us. Um, you know, it was top security. But again, uh, absolutely loved it. And then... Um, we were taking it into, well, from there we also took it to country towns. So we were, um, we would get, um, someone from the local area would get a fund, a grant, and they'd buy us to go there and they'd usually bill us in people's houses and things like that. <laughs> yeah. And they'd just open it up for the community for free. And so people just, who n- never would have gone to theatre or whatever or, remember this woman turned up once in, I think it was Yarrawonga, and she walked up. Um, well, we, had a, we had a little idea to, if they wanted to bring a photo, if they wanted to bring, you know, of the person who was in their life who'd taken their life, mm. they could pin it up, you know, just with a name or something. And she came up at the end, pretty sure it was Yarrawonga. Um, she was probably, I don't know, 70-something. And she pinned this photo up of her husband and she said, I haven't cried in 40 years. <laughs> You've made me cry. Mm. And so she had been bottling it in, mm. you know, for all that time. Yeah. Kept it down. Her husband took his life. Her husband took yep. his life. Yeah. She said she'd had six kids or seven kids mm. she'd had to look after and her sister. So 
yes, he took his life, but I had to get on with mm, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was incredible, the things that came out of that. But So we, we did that to, for a little while. Uh, and then we were invited up to Canberra for the chief of army. Uh, but in between that, actually, the, another top army psychologist had come to see the play in Melbourne and called it a revolution in um, suicide prevention. He, he was absolutely onto it. And so they invited us up to Canberra. And um, we were we performed in Parliament, I guess it was. Um, sorry, not Parliament. No, in the whatever the army barracks up there were. Um, the chief of army, uh, chain of commands, and and all these VIPs that they'd invited from everywhere. So all mental health people in, within the military. And afterwards, they talked to us and they said, uh, "Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it." And we later found out the only question they had was whether they should, they wanted to tour all over Australia. The only thing they couldn't make their minds up was whether to make it mandatory or voluntary. <laughs> anyway, so we were working out, we were starting to get a kind of a, a budget and work on that, and then COVID. Yeah. COVID stopped, arrived. Stopped it, yeah, right. So, yeah, I've decided in the last... Um, so this was working with the wolves all the way up to here, um, with Michael, who's the writer of Marooned. Um, and during the COVID, uh, he's been concentrating more on Cafe Lockdown, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna get back onto the plays. And I, but in my mind, I thought, well, I don't know where this is going. Perhaps I've always wanted to make Marooned into a film. Mm. Uh, and I, I could see how it could be. It sort of came from a time we were rehearsing in someone's living room and we had to be really quiet. And I was watching people, I was thinking, wow, this is, this is how it is as a film. Bring it all down. And um, so I said, okay, I'm going to do that. And I met this uh, man, John Orksik, who, who wanted to... Um, he said, well, I'll... He wanted to do another one of our plays. And I said, well, I really want to do Marooned as a film first. That's where I'm going. And he said, well, I'll help you with that. Um... Which, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen yet, but he uh, then directed the play, which we've just done. I've just done, um, and the reason why I got the play back up was there was another charity that wants sort of connecting themselves with the play called The Male Hug. And um, they said, well, we're going to support it. We kind of need to see it. And so they came to the performance we just did in in Melbourne. Um, two weeks ago, yep, which Aaron weeks. actually saw because he was. I've seen it twice. Happened yeah, to be down it worked in out well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And um, so, where I'm now is I'm realizing again the potential of this piece, and it has to. The line people always say is, "This play has to go everywhere," mm. and that's what I'm trying to do now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've seen it a couple of times, as I said, and um, it's one of those plays that if someone sees it and they get to a low point in their life that they'll actually maybe remember because um, uh, it shows you that um, really, as we know, people make decisions on this sort of stuff due to a temporary situation a lot of the time. Uh, And, you know, they, they take their lives and most don't come back. 
in the documentary we released, one guy did come back and, and he's yeah. still alive, he's thriving now and he really regrets that decision because that decision was, was obviously fatal um, with the way he went about it but uh, primarily he was given another chance. Yeah. And if he had have known what he knew no one knows what he knows. No one knew what he knows now. Yeah. Back then, he wouldn't have done it. You know, so you hit on something really important. And and these guys in Maroon, when they get into that situation, they're actually all separate. But then they start talking, and then they start collaborating and speaking to each other, and then they start to feel good, and they start to open their hearts, and they all want to go back. You know, our vision is very similar, like like yours. We want to get people talking, mm-hmm. so they've got this medicine already. Because the biggest trap for a guy that's at that or a lady that's at that point is separation. Yeah, and they that's feel what society is trying to do, isn't it? It's trying to separate everyone and make them, you know, do the right thing or keep quiet or don't um, mm. don't show your feelings. Yeah, it's... yeah, that's right. And, and really, like I, coming in from a male perspective and, and being a 51-year-old man, I've seen men slowly demasculated over the last, you know, 30 or 40 years primarily. Yeah. Um, you know, for various reasons, but guys are really confused, and that's why you know guys get to that point because they've actually lost lost direction, yeah. purpose, all those sorts of things. So I agree. yeah, so we've got to start to be able to provide um, you know some evidence to say, well, life life here and now is is pretty good if you've got the tools to be able to 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 you know work with it well and communication is a pivotal part of that yeah. a lot of men get confused because they associate communication with boozing or whatever but the, the deep stuff doesn't ever come out and that gets suppressed a lot of their lives yeah. you know um and that's not not fair you know yeah. we, we don't need to be able to be treating our people like that and um every every human's got the ability to be able to want to feel connected and and, and appreciated and loved that's all humans want. But if we've got the ability to do that, then we start to free ourselves. Mm. And that's what happened in Maroon with those, those guys in, in that, and the lady in the, in the situation because they actually all started to figure it out and they said, oh, I don't want to die, I want to go back. You know? Yeah, but at the same time, I have to say, with Maroon, it's very cleverly written because it's not a heavy play. Yeah. It's not a preachy play. It's got a lot. We, we say the play's actually about life rather than death. It's about living. Yes, it um, is. And it's, it's, people laugh a lot. There's a lot of humour in it. And they, you know, they hang on a second, I'm laughing, and this is a play about, <laughs> about suicide. Um, <laughs> yeah. We kind of almost don't want to put the word suicide in there, but you have to because that is, that is the base of it. But it's just showing what, um, well, how people can get to that point, I suppose, as well. But um, I... I invited, um, I just invited a lot of people, obviously, this last time, and I got one <clears throat> um, response from this woman. She said, oh, timing. If, I, if I, I've, something along the lines of, it's so ironic, because two weeks ago I attempted to take my life. Mm. Um, I would, if I, I would have loved to have come. But she was in, um, she said she was in the lockhouse. But anyway, mm. she seemed to have got out into a rehab or something, and she turned up on the Saturday because um, she told me that she was going to come. And I was like, oh, gosh. Um, and I, when I was aware someone left the room, 
when the play was on and I was terrified it was her because mm. I thought maybe it might have had a bad effect rather than a good because mm. that's that even though from the past experience I know people who have attempted to come to see it and people who've lost people who've come to see it and they've mm. actually said no it's actually very therapeutic yeah. um she no I spoke to her afterwards and she said it was cathartic it was very you know it was really uh what she needed a, a, a wake up call mm-hmm Yep. So the play can be cathartic, but for her it was a wake-up call. You're right, yeah. yep. Um, there was another situation like that, I can't remember. But we have definitely, you know, people have, I, I guess in a way, another way, people who come to see it, perhaps who've maybe attempted or been close to people who have or even close to people who've lost, it's understanding why they get to that point, how they get to that point. Um, uh, <clears throat> because one of the characters in Maroon is a um, kind of a business business person, business well not business but she oh, works okay. in a position where she's dealing with people all the time, people's problems, and you wouldn't suspect uh, that profession to be one that is a high suicide, mm. and it is, mm. and you think about the jobs where people take a lot in. Um, or, like you're saying, you know, people who, who work, work and work and work. Yes. And they're not letting it out. Yes, they're that's just, right. Um, yeah, yeah, masking up emotions. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. So. Well, that's right. And that gets back to what we discussed before about the need to, to communicate. Because mm. if we don't communicate, then we just, we just block it out by attaching ourselves with work or some, some distraction, mm. you know. That's that's the stuff they should have taught us at school, to to find the, the importance of finding balance, you know, and having the ability to to recognise that early. That's where yeah. a lot of us have become confused yeah. in, in this country. Yeah. And then there's yeah. a lot of, well, I suppose everywhere, you know, you can buy alcohol everywhere. You can. That's the way to mask course. your problems. That's right. You know, yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's very interesting. Well, we're getting off track a bit, but. When uh, when COVID was in, that uh, the bottle shops were still open. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that, that's another story for another day. But but yeah, certainly um, uh, we have a job to do moving forward with regards mm. to helping people, you know, live better lives. So I think and and be more aware of this particular mm. matter because nine Australians take their lives a day, and I'm I'm sure more than half, more than mm. half of them would attempt. be um, att- well, a lot more would attempt. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Well, with the f- uh, ratio of male female apparently so women attempt it more than men mm, but men, men are succeed. more successful yeah, yeah that's right which is a horrible word to connect it with but yes yeah i agree <laughs> but, but see most of them would 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 probably maybe not have made the decision if they had have known some stuff or had some tools or whatever to mm. be able to see that impermanence yeah because it really is it's just impermanence you know it's it's mm. a um, it's something which is which has got them stuck, and you know they're not seeing clear. The rational brain is not working, and um, to be able to 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 have people around them or conversations um, with others that they can confide in consistently, because that's what's not happening. Mm-hmm. Separation is uh, is critical, more critical right. than anything uh, for people these days. So we've got to try and peg that back. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I would imagine all the. Sort of online, all the online world hasn't helped with that because people are not, especially you know, the last few years, haven't been connecting up physically so much. Mm. You, know, you can text, yeah, you can message or whatever, and 
And they, even that, you know, there's enough cyberbullying and all that stuff. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's it's, it's 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 false communication. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, so I, I'm really, um, you know, I've been really impressed with maroons, and I think um, this <clears throat> this is something that that people really need to see. You know, it it it, it can be sort of played out in the workplace. It can be played out in you know in in a, in a theater or wherever. Um, uh, and well, the beauty of this play doesn't need a set. Yeah. We yeah. have two bench seats when we're in a theatre, if we can get them. But often we just use chairs and we can, some spaces actually have bench seats, whatever. It's the power of the words, it's the power of what's being said. Mm. And that's why I'm looking now to connect it up with um, the Outback Mind Foundation and the documentary perhaps even. Mm. But to have it as a package... Uh, whether it's in theatre or whether it's in a corporate world, like you say, business mm. or um, through councils. Yep. See, what we do, and where this complements what you do really well, is we'll teach emotional literacy. Mm. So to help people understand where those four characters were at mm. and then actually help them understand where they're at and how they can proactively change that and, and be, be more engaged with the way they feel yeah. and be able to do things, you know, to, to keep them in a, what I call like a, a green zone or a blue zone, which is, you know, more consistently feeling good <clears throat> rather than feeling, you know, in threat uh, primarily because that's yeah. the way a lot of Australians feel, <coughs> feel now. Yeah. And even if it's something they've been holding on for ages, mm. like from their father or their mother or something, you know, that mm. they've been... It's been eating away at them over the years, but they've never addressed it. That's right. So, so that's a big pivotal thing that we, we sort of help people understand is intergenerational trauma gets passed yeah. down. Yeah. But also, if you can help an individual, help them see that they can break the cycle. Now, they don't have to continue that. I've seen some young men do this. I've seen you know, middle-aged men do this that have got kids because mm. they don't want to keep repeating patterns or behaviours or whatever. So mm-hmm. once they see that, a lot of traumas come down the line in the last two or three generations, you know, from from the early 1900s to now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that will continue. There, there'll be more traumas coming in. But if we've got the tools to equip ourselves now um, to be more, you know, aware and protected with mm. regards to the way that we, we handle things, then all of a sudden our pathway will become a lot clearer. But if we haven't got that, then yeah. we become distracted and that's when we close in on ourselves and we don't speak yeah. and talk, yeah. And, yeah. and at the same time, being open to other people and who they are. That's because right, yeah. We're not all the same. No, that's right, And, yeah. you know, the one character is uh, gay and in his, where he came from, he wasn't able to be accepted. Yes. Um, and so he felt there was no way, he tried to move away, but he felt very connected to his family um, and it's that sort of thing of being accepted and whether you're feeling like you're not accepted or you're feeling you're completely screwed up in who you are, mm. that's another reason, not really understanding who you are. Yes. Yeah. Um, self-worth, massive amounts of that, you know. Mm. That, so, so that individual there, you know, was a young man in a country town mm. which just felt isolated, you know, and that's why he took that path. Um, he didn't feel accepted by his family, really. Yeah. Um, and in the town, he felt very um, like an outcast. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and that thing of not being accepted, 
makes you think, you know, for his character, maybe he he wasn't, uh, he didn't have a right to even exist, obviously, you mm. know. Um, he wasn't being a, wasn't able to to live his own his real life, that you know who he, of who he really was. He was he could live a lie, he could pretend, but he of that thing, you know. And I think that's quite a quite a big thing in the community. Really, really common. Yeah. Well, yeah. I come from a similar environment. Mm. I think it still goes on today. It's got better. But um, I think it still goes on today. And me personally, I did sort of struggle with that. Mm. We talked about it the other night when we did the event at the Glaston Cinema um, after, the, after the film because that's important that we give a debrief. Mm. But most of the characters in that were empaths. You know, they were very, very beautiful, like loving, caring people. Yeah. But, you know, they'd taken all different journeys in their lives. And when they felt, felt a, you know, they got to a challenging situation, they didn't know where to go. Mm. Uh, but that's, that's, again, that's where communication is so, so key and so yeah. important. And the feeling, the need to feel accepted and also the, ne- nearly, uh, the, the, the need to feel, uh, you know, to forgive, to be able to forgive themselves or forgive the others that, right. are, that are making the judgments against yeah. them. Yeah. 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 Or have you made, made mistakes in your life? Yes, forgive You them. haven't been the perfect father or you feel you haven't. Well, you know, now yes. it's always room to, to change. And that's another kind of line. The only person you can ever change is yourself. Yeah, yeah. And see... Or really change, yeah. Well, well, what it is is, yeah, like a lot of us... I don't want to see guys going through their lives like stuck in these emotions of, of fear, shame and guilt or, you know, not forgiving someone for something that they've done. The, the, yeah. the, 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 the best thing you can do is learn how to deal with that and mm. then move on, then you actually free yourself a little yeah. bit. Yeah, don't make yeah. people feel bad or, um, you know, obviously if they've done really bad things, that's different, but mm. yeah. don't shame people. Or, no, that's right, and, and we're very good at that, you yeah. know, and it's still happening now. You know, it really is. And you want to talk, you want to get serious about mental health? Stop this stuff. You know, like stop shaming people, stop judging people, you know, and actually start to support people because that's all people want. Mm. Particularly men men just want to be accepted and loved and heard and appreciated. Um, Mm. And some men will take advantage of that too, don't worry, Mm. you know. But at the same time, we've got to be able to have a, a standard in society now which, um, which is forgiving as accepting, mm. but also <clears throat> providing this, these emotional, emotional literacy tools for people so they can, have, they can be equipped rather mm. than, than not be equipped because let's just not keep accepting the suicide rate as it is. Exactly. I just think it's crazy that we, you know, we just often say, you know, there's people out there doing stuff about it, absolutely, but, you know, I think what you've done and what we're sort of trying to do is provide, you know, some form of training or education around it, which is sort of beyond words in many ways. <clears throat> it actually goes beyond Yeah. Or, words. or go, here we go, here's your here's something you can do, go and do it yourself. Yeah. You're actually bringing them in, yes. you know, yeah. in, including them and saying, okay, this is a huge problem. Mm. Uh, instead of, well, it's a big problem, but there we go, there's your tools to go and fix it. Mm. Yep. And that's yep. really important, I think, um, I'm actually really excited about the idea of work, putting the two together and going to these, I don't know, small places. I'd love to come to Gladstone. I think it sounds mm. like it des- desperately needs it, mm. the two together. Um, and the funding wouldn't be huge. And just um, d- 
do, do be doing something really good. Yes. Yep. Well, well, honestly, if there's communities out there listening or, or, um, or workplaces or whoever it is, clubs listening, what, what bad would happen from getting, getting this into your community? Because all good things will happen. It's mm. going to be a small investment which will have a tremendous impact at the end of the day. Mm. I think particularly in regional areas, we've got to start to invest in, in doing work which is consistent for this area, not just having the little Band-Aid fixes that come in consistently or not, I should say, inconsistently. We've got to have a whole of community approach and a whole of work, workplace approach that we've got to do this as a matter of urgency but also as a duty, not too much a duty of care, but a requirement for the personal development of our people, mm. you know. And it's not a kind of um, puffy cushion here come on and we'll, we'll really look after you thing mm. because the thing about marooned as well um michael sent it to guy may's mother just not probably a matter of guys the guy that took his life yeah, yeah okay. i don't know maybe right. a month two i don't know what yeah. it was it was quite soon after it had happened yeah he was an only child um can't even remember how we found her number but anyway he rang her and said he'd written this play and did she want to read it? And, you know, he, he describes it as she sounded like she was at the back of a cupboard talking to him. And by the end of the phone call, she was towards the, big, the front of the cupboard and she agreed to read it. And she, but she didn't really know how, how that was going to be. Mm-hmm. But she read it and then she said she found herself laughing. Uh, and then she said, absolutely, she gave her um, endorsement. You know, endorsement and tick to it. And so she, in the beginning, she was always with us, always with us. And she got quite fired up because um, there had been some media things, I can't remember they're called now, ever, who were trying to stop the play or change. They wanted to edit it. They wanted to change it. And they said, you can't, you can't show means within a play mm, mm. because, you know, the whole thing of copycats. Mm. And that really made Felicity angry because she said, there's no way, you absolutely have to. And she was adamant, the play has to be how it is. Mm. Yep, yep. For the power, as I'm saying, you can't pussyfoot around, you can't kind of, well, we'll talk about it, but we won't really talk about it. Yes, yeah. If you're going to talk about it, you have to talk about it. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I'm certainly for, you know, trying to do what's required. But in this situation, I believe that we've got to be able to, like, really you know there's no no real blocking out the truth mm. you know like if someone's done something a certain way well fair enough i i believe um you know sadly if someone wants to take their life they'll explore a lot of options but um in your situation where you've you've provided evidence of four people taking different methods um you know it's it's four different pathways to try and get the same result at the end mm-hmm. of the day um, you know, which is very, very sad, but unfortunately, it's 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 true, and it's the way way it is. Yeah. And they're sort of all connected to where their story came from, I suppose. I mean, you don't want to focus on that too much, but um, yeah, the, the sort of the, the they say that women do it a certain way, cry for help more, mm, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's always true. But um, men are. Uh, that's the reason why you want to catch, really catch them, because sometimes mm. they can just be. Um, they call it situational distress. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
and very, very uh, deliberate when they make a decision. But but that decision passes, you know. That's um, right. It passes, you know. That's right. So if they yeah. get a chance to actually step over there, you yep. can... Yes, yeah. that's right. But if yeah. they've got no one to go to, um, or no one really to talk to, then... Yeah, I'm not saying that things in the past haven't been successful, like phone lines and things like that, but I think it's more to be more personable, actually be in the in the room. That's presence. right. Yeah, it's... agree. Yes, that, that's why I suppose with the men's circles we're doing, it's important. We've got five of them going. I'd like to have 50 by <laughs> this time next year, <laughs> but I need help to do it. <laughs> You know, yeah. and I, I know, I know that's a that's a safe place for guys to come together to have conversations. That mm. works. You know, there's no arm crossing. You know, everyone's open, and they'll talk about good and bad stuff. Doesn't matter, but it's therapeutic to do yeah. that. Like I always say, the, the guys go to the gym. Yeah, it's great you work on your body, but work on your emotional health too, mm-hmm. because there's no point just blocking stuff. Because yeah. that's what you'll do. That's what guys do, and I did it. Like you know, like stuff that I hadn't dealt with never came out until I really pushed my body hard enough mm. to actually feel okay to let it go, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But that took a lot of, like, inner work myself. Mm. And, um, yeah, guys, I don't want to see guys going through their whole life um, stuck with stuff that they've um, never been able to forgive, you know, because that's what, what, what it was yeah. and that's what it is with most of us. We, we're just like something's happened, there's been two or three blows to the heart and we've never forgiven that, right. that situation or the person. And all of a sudden, you know, we carry it. But we can, we can let go of that if we're given the support and the, the guidance. Yeah. So they're broken. They've got this parts in there that they've never fixed. That's right, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah. Um, mm. and they've shoved it to the back often, yeah. Yes, get on with it, you yeah. know, all that sort of stuff. Or even mm. having that thing, why would anyone care about me, you know, mm. what? Mm. But that, these are all learned behaviours, right? Mm. Like these are all passed down. You know, as I said, the generation before us, you know, there's probably some younger people listening, but you know, parents were born in the 40s, 50s and 60s and mine were born before that, but mm. God, you, you know, it was depression times, you know, mm. like like no one had money, no one had this, that and the other, so people become really insular and... Um, and in survival mode, mm. you know, uh, living in survival mode, that's the only way that they know. Yeah. 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 Well, you didn't talk about your problems very much either. No, that's no. right, yeah. So no. the conversations with guys would be a few uh, few beers and then just talk rubbish primarily. Mm. Or but, the weather. But not talking about deep stuff, you know. And the deep stuff, is that, that's what it'd be, that's what it's, what's got to be communicated because it's just like a, a pie that's, uh, that's crispy on the outside but cold on the inside. Mm. Yeah, so um, I'm going back to Melbourne to uh, reconnect and see what, what what's going on and hope and I've got someone now who's starting to help me um, approach places in the area, Victoria, but I think it's, you know, we need to get back to Sydney. We went to Sydney and actually did the army there as well. And then we need to go to come up here. Yeah, to Queensland. Definitely. Well, I think, you know, anyone that's listening, um, reach out to me. Um, I can put you in contact with Rahana. And, yeah, there's definitely a need to get this out there more and more. So, you know, um, as I said, you know, there's a lot a lot of good that will come from it. It'll just take a little bit of effort from 
from you to uh, to make it happen. And the, the impact from that, you know, can be huge. It can not only save lives, it can change lives, it can create better awareness for yourself and, and, and the people around you. And the more that we do that collaboratively, I, I think the better. So thank you very much for joining me. That's okay. Anything else I can say? <laughs> um, yeah, I think just excited is not the right word, but I'm really interested in keeping it, getting marooned everywhere, doing what it has to do and collaborating. Um, because one thing is seeing and then the other thing is actually then you put that into practice and you know you get the chance to actually let it out or expose whatever's going on in you as well in a workshop situation rather than okay I've sought the play and walked away maybe I talked about it for a long time but mm. if you have someone who's got uh, the need to do some work then this is a perfect you know, only better can come out of it. That's right. Yes, and absolutely did. agree. You did see the other night when we when we finished our documentary, we had a, an open discussion. Mm. Some people that really opened up about stuff, you know. Yeah. So it inspires that. And an anger. There was an anger there. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, we need to do something now. Yeah. Feeling, yeah. Yeah, that's right. People, people are saying, we, we, we've got to get this around. We've got mm. to get this out there. You know, mm. more people need to see it. And I, and I agree. Mm -hmm. So I need, I need help to, to get it out there too. Yeah. Um, there's only so much I can do as an individual. But we've both got, you know, some really special um, things here to help people and communities. So please reach out to us and have a chat. And I really, I'm grateful for you listening in and um, enjoy the podcast. Uh, certainly if you want to message me, uh, email support at backmind.org.au and I can link you up with Rahana and um, yeah, go from there. Thanks so much. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for being here with me.